Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our studio, Tim Conroy. Tim is a former special education teacher, school administrator, and vice president of the South Carolina Autism Society. His poetry and short fiction have been published in literary journals, magazines, and compilations, including Fall Lines, Antebellum, and Marked by the Water. A founding board member of the Pat Conroy Literary Center, established in his brother's honor, Tim lives and writes here in Columbia, South Carolina. So welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Curtis. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you here. Um, So you came out with a new book of poetry, and I wanted to talk about that. But I wanted to talk first, how did you initially get interested in writing poetry or in poetry? Can I tell you a story? Sure. The story kind of starts back when I was a teenager, and my older brother, Pat Conroy, and my sister, Carol Conroy, would argue and tease each other about wanting to be poets more than anything else in life. And both Pat and Carol wanted to write poetry. And in fact, Pat, through high school, wrote poetry. Through college, wrote poetry. And when he graduated from the Citadel um, and taught at Beaufort High School Uh those two years before going to Defusky, Uh he wrote poetry. Poetry was what he wanted to do more than anything else. My sister Carol ended up being a published poet. She published two collections, um, one, The Jewish Furrier. Hmm. The other book, The Beauty Wars, was published by Norton mm-hmm. uh, and was a major collection. And, and so I grew up hearing these voices, and they would not only tease each other about writing poetry, who was going to do it, uh-huh. who, um, who was going to emerge from the family as a poet. <laughs> they would use a poem by a 20th century poet, a Greek poet, C.P. Kaffafi. Mm-hmm. And they would use this to tease each other. And I use this as the epigraph of the book. That's right. I was going to say, you've got that right here in the front. And I'll read this so people can hear this poem and how they teased each other with it. All right. To certain people, there comes a day when they must say the great yes or the great no. He who has the yes ready within him reveals himself at once. And saying it, he crosses over to the path of honor and his own conviction. He who refuses does not repent. Should he be asked again, he would say no again. And yet that no, the right no, crushes him for the rest of his life. Hmm. And so I always thought in my mind, they said the great yes. They were the writers of the family mm-hmm. who said it, and they passed over to, to, the, uh, to the glory and, the, and the, uh-huh. the honor of their conviction. I had said no to my writing, <laughs> uh-huh. and that no was just going to stick with me the rest of my life. Huh. I had just said, you know, two is enough in any given family. That's enough <laughs> for Conroy's to have. Uh-huh. But my brother Pat would not let a little brother alone. Uh-huh. He would bother me periodically over and over again in life and ask me what I was working on. Was I writing? Um, he would say I had a voice. I needed to write um, my poetry. Mm-hmm. And about, and Curtis, here's how 
stories go. Mm-hmm. About a year and a half before Pat passes away, I get a knock on my door, mm-hmm. and at my door is this Citadel graduate, Sam Morton, who is a retired police officer, mm-hmm. a former professional wrestler, <laughs> a a writer. So kind um, of a big guy? A big <laughs> guy. Um, and he's larger than life. I go, what do you want? And, and Sam goes, your brother sent me. Uh-oh. And I said, exactly. <laughs> I said, uh-oh. I said, oh, great. And so I invite Sam in. And Sam goes, your brother wants you to join a writing group. He wants you to join my writing group called the Ink Plots. And, you know, I him and haw. And he goes, Tim, if you don't join, your brother will hate me. And so <laughs> I end up joining, uh-huh. and I start. And when was this? This is about in 2013. Okay. Um, and so I start exploring. You know, I had always sort of secretly kept a journal, mm-hmm. secretly wrote, mm-hmm. um, had some poetry that every once in a while I would even show Pat. Mm-hmm. But it was it was so inconsistent. And so, did you do it mostly for yourself? Yeah, or? mostly for myself, uh-huh. m- and mostly to make sense of the world, sure. you know, as as writers do. And I often think, I reflect back, and I've thought a lot about um, those early years of Pat's writing. And and you know, we did come from an abusive background, mm-hmm. uh, where my father, you know, the 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 military man would come home from Vietnam mm-hmm. and he would be explosive and mm-hmm. he would be unpredictable mm-hmm. and often abusive. And I think Pat chose poetry, um, you know, uh, because of, uh, there's a quote by, by Seamus Haney uh, about how your imagination presses back against the violence of the world. Hmm. And I really think that's what he was doing with his poetry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and his early efforts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we know, Pat never becomes, realizes his dream to become a poet, mm-hmm. although he does take a class. Um, after the, the year at Defusky, he's when he's fired, the wrongful termination suit goes on and he loses. Mm-hmm. He takes that class from James Dickey, his, Dickey's poetry class. Mm. And I think he realizes in that class that he's not going to be a poet. Mm-hmm. In the margins of a notebook mm-hmm. in the Irvin Department of Rare Books and Special Collections, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's the, the James Dickey notebook of, of Pat's where he's taken that class. In that margin, you can see he leaves the writing of these 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 poetry drafts, these mm-hmm. drafts of poems, and he starts this short story in the back of that journal. Oh. And you can see in the margins where he writes, find the rhythm of your language and stick with it. Hmm. And so Pat, as we know, his mm-hmm. prose is poetry, mm-hmm. but that's what happens. He, he, he sticks with this mm-hmm. um, prose path. And thank goodness he does. And, well, thank goodness uh, that it gave you this inspiration because you said it was about 2013 is when you joined yeah, the, the group. I did. And that's a great name, the yeah. Ink Plots. Yeah, the Ink Plots. <laughs> and really, the, the um, you know, to me, his, as an older brother, his gift to me to send Sam Morton to remind me of 
what he knows is inside me mm-hmm. is this desire to write and for 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 whatever reason I had suppressed it finally it starts to come out mm-hmm. and then you know I uh, I come into the state library my neighbors invite me to a presentation of Kathleen Robbins mm-hmm. who's doing a presentation for your series mm-hmm. and Curtis what was the name of a speaker at the center yeah, yeah. we yeah. we have um, it's the part of the South Carolina Center for the book and that and so I'm in the basement listening to Kathleen um, talk about her, her her book into the flatland mm-hmm. and I am mesmerized by the photographs in her book uh, the photographs of the Mississippi Delta her familial landscape that mm-hmm. she displays in that book is is overpowering me during her presentation. And I, I rush back home, and I want to start writing. Mm. So I work on this poem for a few months, and the poem is called Theology of Terrain. And it ends up being one of the center poems of my collection, Theologies of Terrain. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen, I send it to her, and to my utter surprise, she likes it. And she goes, Tim, this is a great poem. And she ends up um, using it um, about a month and a half after my brother Pat dies on March 4th, um, 2015. She uses it um, in an installation at the Columbia Museum of Art Mm-hmm. Um, and her photographs are displayed, and with her photographs, they convert my poem into about a six-foot uh, tall poem mm-hmm. about the size of my brother Pat. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, she gifts me with that, and and I can't help but think, you know, while I'm there that night, the opening night of the installation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking how, you know, how proud Pat would be mm-hmm. if he was here mm-hmm. and how supportive he would be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm so appreciative to um, Kathleen for giving me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and then what happens? I don't know if you know this part of the story, but I write about this in a, in a book that's going to be released September 18th um, through the University of Georgia Press, mm-hmm. Our Prince of Scribes. Writers remember Pat Conroy. I have an essay that finishes up the story, and I'll read just part of it. Great. Um, After Pat's death, my poem, Theology of Terrain, was used as part of Kathleen Robbins' installation, Descent, Mississippi Delta Photographs, 1999-2014, at the Columbia Museum of Art. The exhibit curators converted my work into a six-foot poem about the height of Pat and displayed it next to Kathleen's remarkable photographs. What happened next, Pat would describe as one of the curious circles of life that you notice if you're lucky to live long enough. In the main exhibit hall, photographs of Defusky Island taken by Jean Mutasami Ash were on display. Included with her Defusky memories, exhibit in a glass case in the middle of the room was Pat's original handwritten manuscript of The Water is Wide. My poem was a hundred feet away from Pat's masterpiece. Such is the magic, power, and honor of the great yes. Pat 
whispered it years ago in Buford, the two words that change a life forever. And so, I mean, my story is sort of the same story that the reason we started the Pat Conroy Literary Center mm -hmm. is just for people like me, mm -hmm. the emerging writers, um, the, the, the readers that support them, mm -hmm. um, anybody who's ever dreamed, regardless of age, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that if they wanted to write poetry, if they wanted to write prose, to provide them um, the help and the support to emerge, to do that. And so after Pat passes away, a group of people um, gather around and say, how can we honor um, what he meant to us? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what he meant to us was, was of course, his love, mm -hmm. the love he gave us, the love uh, he showed us, mm -hmm. uh, the support he showed to any writer. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, he was incredibly um, um, generous with his time to emerging, emerging writers. And, um, and so that's what we're trying to do at the Pat Conroy Literary Center in our efforts um, not only to provide programming statewide, but um, to, to really support um, the a growing community mm -hmm. of readers and writers. Well, it's already had a yeah. great, great impact in the state. And I know that um, Jonathan Hout, who's the uh, director, you know, is certainly out and about doing lots and lots of programming and offering lots and lots of support. And he has his own great Pat stories about mm -hmm. how Pat impacted him. Sure. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, we didn't want a monument, a statue, or, you know, we, we wanted love to be in action. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are trying to do at the center. Mm -hmm. um, back to Theologies of Terrain, I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, your book. And for, for people who are listening, um, the cover is... It's pretty chaotic. Can you describe the, the cover image? It's a photograph from Into the Flatland. It's a photograph by Kathleen Robbins that's, that's in her book. And it is a, um, a photograph of blackbirds. Um, and, you know, the, the, the title Theologies of Terrain, the plural, really derives from, Curtis, there's places in our lives these locations, because of the, of the connections that we have with them, with people, with mm -hmm. family, um, like in Kathleen's book, um, um, th they become so important to us, so foundational, they almost become our theologies. Mm -hmm. And so th in, in, in many ways, that's what I tried to capture with the title of the book in the poems in the collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can have a religious experience anywhere, and yeah. you know that that certainly fits into that that description. Also, um, you had mentioned that uh, Ed Madden, who is the poet laureate of Columbia, South Carolina, was a big help to you in this. He was one of the most generous. He's one of the most generous poets, uh, and and amazing editors. Um, you know, I, I am only hoping that for every book I ever ever write, every collection of poetry, Ed agrees to be my editor. <laughs> he's he's phenomenal. I knew it was going to be special the first day we met as poet and editor. We we um I met him in his office, uh, and we walked over to a um, um, a local restaurant um, near campus. 
And, and all of a sudden we were talking and I realized how I was in the building mm-hmm. um, where my brother Tom had committed suicide mm-hmm. from. It was mm-hmm. a restaurant in the bottom of that building. Goodness. And, and Ed looked at me and said, Tim, what's wrong? And so I, I told him, mm-hmm. and you know I, I, I don't know if um, we just connected on such a, a level of, um, of, of just honesty that day. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was talking to me about some of the troubles he recently was, was feeling. And it was, it was poet to poet, um, talking honestly about feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and, and there was immediate trust. Um, which I think you have to have with writer to editor, mm-hmm. and and um, you know what's what Ed has done as the city poet laureate has been amazing, mm-hmm. and we're so lucky to have him in Columbia. He has really brought together a community of writers and poets, um, and he is so deserving of accolades for what he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he does. And believe me. His books mm-hmm. are incredible. Oh yeah, Ark touched me like no other book of poetry. It really is. Yeah. It's yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get back quickly to the um, the writing group, the Ink Plots. Yeah. What? How did that shape your writing? How did it help you? How did it make you think more about um, about writing poetry? You know, it gave me, um, I think, perspective on revision. Mm. That that you know, all of a sudden. You know, when you present something to a group and you have a variety of experiences and eyes on your work, well, first, you want to bring your best mm-hmm. to the table. Mm-hmm. And so you up your game as soon as you realize you're going to have to show it outside your little writing right. room mm-hmm. to people, to mm-hmm. other eyes. And so you, you bring what you think is worthy of that. And then you get incredible feedback and perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the group um, is a very supportive group that gave a lot of encouragement. Mm-hmm. And, and it, for a young, and I'm not a young man, <laughs> but for a, a, a writer trying to emerge, sure. it was really crucial. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it, I now... I'm not, you know, tonight, in fact, Curtis, I'm going to the Ink Plots meeting. Oh, we meet great, on Tuesday. And, um, but I'm also a member of three other groups. Okay. I, I just, I find that process really important. It keeps you accountable. Mm-hmm. It, it ensures that you're writing. And um, you get a variety of, of really important um, input. Mm-hmm. And I could not live without the input of the ink plots and the other groups. Well, I imagine it's you know uh, an incredible amount of constructive criticism, but not necessarily criticism, but because you're all there for the same purpose to try to improve your writing skills. And it's exactly it's it's sort of awareness of where it needs to be strengthened. Mm-hmm. It it is presenting it's presented in such a way where it's supportive but yet honest and true mm-hmm. feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that's what a writer wants. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, poems from your book, would you be interested in sharing a few with us? I would. And um, I, I actually w- kind of am drawn to a poem called Apertures. It's on page 75 of my collection. 
and it's a, a poem again that was inspired by Kathleen Robbins. Right after the flood that so devastated so many houses and communities in this Columbia. Was the October 2015? Yes. That, that event um, about when, we, it, when it finally stopped raining, mm-hmm. Kathleen sprang into action. I wasn't sure what she was doing, mm-hmm. but I looked across the street, Curtis, and I would see cars pull up, mm-hmm. and I would see people get out of the cars with hair dryers. Hmm. And I was thinking, just like you, yeah. hmm, what is going <laughs> on? And I would see car after car, and finally after about a dozen people, I finally opened my door, and I had to get across the street and uh-huh. see what was going on. Uh-huh. And so people were coming up, dropping off photographs that had been ruined wow. by, the, by the flood. Oh my goodness. And Kathleen had organized photographers and students to try to save the memories oh, wow. um, of, of families. Uh-huh. And so she was taking mud-soaked photographs and in a painstaking process trying to save them. Wow. That's intense. And it was. It was incredible. So I went over there and and started to help in the process. Mm -hmm. And so through that, I wrote this poem. Apertures. In a soft composition of rain, then an outpouring of grand expanse, rising to the hackberry, overwhelming the new deck, we fled a thousand years. When floodwaters recede, the flush of homes sullied and sick, we focus lenses to memories, cross thresholds as shadow and light, see the demarcation of chance, watermarks on walls above the ruin of below, bone-dry oystermen in savannah, wet muck on fresh-in-love faces, emulsion peeling layers of occasion, from photos not worth another word. Toss albums into dumpsters, curse cameras from unlivable spaces, their apertures fixed to fate. Was it ever real, our trip to Italy, the wedding on the beach at Edisto, stubbornly adhering to each other, no longer salvageable? Wow, that's amazing. You know, and I was talking to someone earlier today about how poetry and poems, you know, can means something to the poet that is different than means something to the reader. And when you introduce this poem with that story, it has a completely new meaning. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, it, it, one, one of the things, I think the themes, in, and I've been so lucky in life of meeting people like Ed Madden, mm-hmm. meeting people like Kathleen Robbins, Meaning people like Ray McManus, mm-hmm. artists and poets and writers, some of the most generous people you could ever meet, mm-hmm. um, who reach back and help the emerging writer, the emerging poet, the emerging artist. Mm-hmm. And that's those three are exemplify mm-hmm. that. And, mm-hmm. and we're so lucky to have them in South Carolina for mm-hmm. that. Yep, definitely. Um, can we hear another one, maybe? Sure. This, this poem was a workshop poem that I did, I'd like to mention this, at Richland Library. Mm. Libraries are so important to communities. This was a, a workshop that was um, uh, done by Ed, Ed Madden 
and he um, conducted the workshop, and this came out of it, mm-hmm. you know, with many, many revisions later. And this is called Marsh Deer. They pratfall a journey between twisted shrub oaks, part the blades of saw palmettos, glide through the last dry tickle of bristle grass and foxtail, more like a string of hooved prayer beads giving thanks to the wilds. Their resolve, moss-draped, asks the dawn for its deepening, stands under its rose-amber wonder. They tease the surf, it greets them kissing with wide smiles and quick legs. They kick and circle the white-tailed mystery. What draws them to the white foam, to the promise of crossings? What makes any creature choose uncertain currents? Green turtle hatchlings, bull sharks circling in creeks, the brick a brack of shattered shells, translucent dreams, heart-shaped impressions disappearing on a declivitous shore. Lives are as fleeting as bird songs, as long as letting go. That's beautiful. I remember reading that, and I had to look up a few words. <laughs> uh, um, you mentioned libraries. You mentioned the Richland Library. You mentioned the Irving Collection. You mentioned the State Library. Since this is Library Voices, that fits in great. How, how important have libraries been to you? Uh, they've been incredible uh, to me um, as, a, as a resource, as a place to go because now libraries are so vibrant. Mm-hmm. They, have so, they bring in the community and they reflect the community mm-hmm. uh, that they're in. You know, I'm doing a couple events um, for the public at libraries coming up mm-hmm. uh, on September 25th at the Irma Library um, uh, of the Lexington Library mm-hmm. um, at the Irma branch. I'm doing a presentation on Pat Conroy's great love of poetry. Mm. And which I simply love the presentation because I get to celebrate Pat's efforts to transform himself into a poet mm-hmm. and, 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 and telling people that it didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. But because he worked so hard at writing, he worked, you know, sort of, I remember him as a high school basketball player, mm-hmm. six foot maybe six and a half Mm -hmm. feet tall he wasn't physically gifted he couldn't jump but he made himself a a a star high school basketball player who got a scholarship to the citadel Mm -hmm. through practice Mm -hmm. and curtis it wasn't it wasn't like uh, um he he started to write these great novels Mm -hmm. just from scratch Oh, sure. He practiced just as hard to be the writer he became mm-hmm. as he did to be the basketball player he mm-hmm. became. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, the, it's the great reminder for people. Mm-hmm. You have to read, 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 write, write, write. It doesn't come easy. Mm-hmm. But if you work at it, you can get good. Mm-hmm. And he got really, really good. Well, I would say the yeah. same for you. I, I think well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we have time for yeah. one more. Could, would you like to, to let our listeners hear one more poem? I, I do, and, and uh, before I forget, okay. I want to remind people of the Pat Conroy Literary Festival that's going to be uh, held in Beaufort um, November 1st through the 4th. Yep. 
2018. This and it's it's going to include people like Rick Bragg. Sandra Brown and Patty Callahan. So mm-hmm. we're really, really excited. And in fact, we will have a link not only to um, that, the Pat Conroy Literary Center, which is patconroyliterarycenter.org, but also a link to your website, timconroypoet.com, on our podcast page. So folks should be sure and check that out. I'm going to read this poem called Motion Detectors. Mm-hmm. And it's just your the 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 poem about living in a city motion detectors is there a safe path even with a light aimed perfectly on the walkway or upon the camellia bushes we imagine a world with shadows everywhere lurking to steal lives each corner of the house wired waiting to chase away a two-legged rascal, but usually illuminating a rotund raccoon on another garbage raid or the neighbor's cat twitching its tail on the roof of a Prius. When the wind bends the branch to jiggle in front of its lens, we crack the door to check, convinced we know why it goes on and off. We glower at them as they shine upon what it is we fear, the perils of living with creatures like us. (laughs) You know, I read that actually just today before you came in to talk, and um, I got a lot of visuals. I could, you know, I could really see what what you were looking at. Um, So how did that poem come about? Well, you know, it's it's funny. That um, poem, some of it was written at Pat's uh, widow's house, um, Cassandra King Conroy, who's mm-hmm. an amazing writer in her own right and, and, and one of the most beautiful people you could ever meet, uh, she, um, she drives a Prius. <laughs> and, and she has these trees that sort of dance around and mm-hmm. light up the motion detector. Mm-hmm. And um, so, th- th- you know, it's funny where inspiration comes uh, often in these little glimpses. Mm-hmm. And, and that poem sort of came with just a glimpse of something. And I just knew instantly there was something there I wanted to explore. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it was one of those things that really came out. Um, um, it, it, and sometimes when you write, you're, you're not sure where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I had no idea where this was going to go. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so it's, it's always a thrill when that happens. Definitely. And, yeah, like I said, I, I, it spoke to me because I can see the same thing looking out of my window. You know, as yeah. the wind blows, the tree mm-hmm. branch, the light comes on outside, and it just that really hit home for me. So uh, before we wrap up, what kind of other special projects are you working on in the couple of, next couple of months or any uh, other writing projects that you've got going? Well, I'm, uh, I mentioned the Irmo uh, branch thing, and I, I am doing one at, at Polly's Island at the Walk Mall Library on September 27th. I'm, I'm going to do a presentation on Pat Conroy's great love of poetry down there. So I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of friends um, you know, I used to teach in, in Georgetown County mm, mm-hmm. at Browns Ferry Elementary, mm-hmm. and I was an assistant principal at Andrews Elementary. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to see a bunch of um, friends I haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm working uh, with um, um, Ray McManus, um, who is 
the uh, poet in residence at the Columbia Museum of Art mm-hmm. on uh, a project to write about eight to ten poems uh, for November uh poetry on the permanent collection Mm. at the museum. So I'm really excited about um, um, doing poetry, um, expressing um, some of the themes that the artists have captured. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Do you have any plans for April, National Poetry Month? Have a, you know, it's it's always a a great month for poets to do their their readings. Um, I I haven't have, you know, I'm trying to think if there's something going on in the Literary Center. Usually we have something going on at oh, the Literary Center. Yeah, it's, it's a little there. far out yeah. from, from now, but yeah. I'm sure there'll be a lot of stuff that you'll be involved yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a great time. We are lucky in this community to have as many poets mm-hmm. and writers as we have. And I, bef- I would just want to say this. The, the, the Muddy Ford Press published my collection, mm-hmm. and uh, Cindy Boiter and Beer Dock, um, you know, when you own a small boutique press, mm-hmm. it's not because of the fame and fortune. Mm-hmm. It's because of the absolute um, desire to help writers, regional writers, mm-hmm. get their works published. Definitely. So my book would not have happened without Muddy Ford Press's commitment to uh, the exposure of regional writers and Ed Madden's support. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. a it's a beautiful book and. Um, you know, we're glad that you're here with us today. So thanks so much. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. Until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.